The Mishnais continue to go into the details of the 18 different Averis which were mentioned at the beginning of the Perak, which are punishable by the death penalty of Skila, of being thrown off a building and being stoned. Hachal Shabbos, one who violates one of the Averis of Shabbos, he is liable to Skila only if he violates Shabbos with something whose punishment, when done intentionally, is Kores, where one is, so to speak, cut off from Hashem, perhaps an early death, and other details, and whose punishment, when done unintentionally, is to bring a Korban Chatos. So if one violates Shabbos in this way, he would be liable to Skila. If he does it in front of two witnesses and they give him sufficient warning, etc. And that is really most times that somebody violates Shabbos that would come under this category. However, there is a way to violate Shabbos and not come under this category. For example, one who walks further than the Tuchum. It's forbidden to walk more than 2,000 Amas from the edge of a city on Shabbos. And according to some, that is forbidden mid a Nevertheless, it is not punishable by Skila. Alright, the next one on the list was Hamkal of the Imali, one who curses his father or his mother. In Chayvad Shikalim Bashem, he is only liable to Skila if he curses them with Hashem's name. Only that is considered to be a real curse. And Misha says, Kilom Bachinui, if he cursed them using a substitute name from Hashem. So without Hashem's actual name, but they referred to Hashem. For example, they said the merciful one should curse him, referring to Hashem, but without using his real name. In such a case, Reb Meir Mechaev, Reb Meir says that he is liable to Skila, a Chachom patron. However, the Chachomim would exempt such a person from Skila. Misha Tetz, in general, one who commits adultery, a woman who has received Kedushin, which is the first step of the marriage, and all the more so if she is fully married, if she has relations with another man other than her husband, then they are both punished by the death penalty of Chenek, of strangulation. That having been said, the Torah says that with regards to a particular woman, a particular type of woman, if she commits adultery with a man, they would be punished by skila. And skila is considered to be more severe than chenek. And this is referring to habal nara hamerasa, one who has relations with a nara, which refers to a woman who is between the age of 12 and 12 and a half years old. That's during the period where she is maturing, but not yet fully matured. So if she is of that age and she has received kedushin, but isn't yet fully married, then there would be a punishment of skila. And the Mishnah says, Enochayev, the one who has relations with her, is not liable to skila, ajte na'ara, unless she is a na'ara, meaning she is between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half years old. Basula, it has to be a woman who has never had relations with a man before. And Meirasa, she needs to be in a state where she has received Kedushin, which is the first stage of the marriage, but she is not fully married. If she was fully married, interestingly, the punishment would be less severe. The punishment would be the regular punishment for adultery, that is chenek. And another condition is she needs to still be under the authority of her father. Meaning, once her father has given her over to her future husband, even before they've completed that marriage, if she's on the way to the chuppah, for example, but her father has already handed her over to her future husband, already then she would not be in this category anymore. And these are all conditions which the Torah itself specifies. Now the Mishnah adds, It follows that according to this, if somebody, if two different men had relations with her, she was a Nara, she had received Kedushin, etc. And two different men had illegal relations with her, Harishain, the first man who does it, Beskila. He'll be punished by Skila, 
by stoning because at that time she had never had relations before. But by the time that the second person had relations with her, she was no longer a basula. She was now a woman who had had relations beforehand, in which case she would not fit into this category of a na'ara and therefore for hasheni b'chenek, the second man would be punished by the death penalty of chenek of strangulation. Mr. Yud, the next one on the list is hamesis, one who persuades and influences other people to serve Abir Zorah, to serve idolatry instead of Hashem. The Mishnah says, to what situation are we referring? This is specifically a regular person, we'll explain in a moment what that means, who convinces a regular person to serve idolatry. And the Gemara explains that this is coming to exclude a Novi, or somebody who claims to be a Novi, claims to have a prophecy from Hashem, and using that, he tries to convince people to serve a Zorah. In that case, he would be, he would be punished by Chenek, the less severe death penalty of strangulation. So only if it's a regular person not claiming any prophecy, only he would come under the category of the person who is punished by Skila. And the reason why the Mishnah specifies that he is convincing another individual, regular person to serve Avedazara is to exclude somebody who convinces a vast amount of people, or perhaps an entire city to serve, to serve Avedazara, because then he would not be considered a Mesis. He has a different name, a Mediach, and that will be discussed later on in, in this Mishnah. But yeah, so the Mishnah gives an example, Omar Loi, if this Mesis says to somebody, Yes, Yirab Mokum there is an idol which is feared by people and worshipped by people in a particular place. This is how it eats. It drinks. It does good in a particular way. It does bad to those who don't serve it. Anything like this would come under the category of being a mesis. And now the Mishnah says a fascinating idea. All of the different transgressions and averas for which one can be liable to a death penalty in a Torah we don't hide in order to trap him. Except for this Avera. In general, we learned earlier on the Masechta as well, the Basin never want to kill somebody, and we always try to avoid it. But in this case, it's the exact opposite. We try to get there to be witnesses, to see what he is doing, and to bring him to Basin and to kill him. Because Amesis is a dangerous person. This is not something which just affects him himself. But he's trying to convince other people to serve Avedazara. That is something which we go out of our way to, in, in order to prevent. And the Mishnah elaborates, If a Mesist spoke to two people and tried to convince them to serve Avedazara, the Hain Eidov, so they would be the witnesses to his act of convincing. So they should bring him straight to Basin, and the Basin would end up, if they find him guilty, they would end up giving him skila. But what happens if Omar Echad, this Mesis spoke to only one individual? In order to kill someone, there needs to be two witnesses who see the Avera. So what should he do? Who Omer? He should say to this Mesis, Yeshli Chavein Reitzenbekach. I have friends who want this sort of thing. Come and tell them. And that way he'll tell it in front of at least two people. And they'll be the witnesses to be able to take him to Beistin. However, Imhoya Orum, if he was sly, he was clever... And he doesn't want to speak in front of them. He knows that now there'll be a chance they'll be able to take him to Bastin. So he's not willing to say what he said again in front of more than one person. In this case, says the Mishnah, We should hide witnesses behind the fence. And this individual should say to him again, Tell me again, remind me what you told me by myself, and now we're just us two. So tell it to me again. And the Mesis will tell it to him. And at this stage, that's not enough by itself. 
if you notice, there's also a very big difference between this case and all other times that somebody is killed in based in. Elsewhere, he needs to be warned before he does that Avera that he can't do it, and if he does it, he'll be liable to the death penalty. Over here, if we're hiding witnesses behind the fence, then we're certainly not, not telling him that we're going to take him to Bastin and kill him, if he does that Avera. And indeed, this general law of Hasra, of giving him warning, does not apply to Amasis. However, to that extent, it's only true if he is speaking to two people, and he knows that he's speaking to two people, and that he's putting himself in a situation where they would be able to take him to Bastin. So that is considered sufficient. However, in this case, where he thinks that he's speaking only to one person, so now there's no hasra at all, and he doesn't realize that, he put, that he's putting himself in a situation where he could be taken to base them for this. So in this case, we need to add the following stage, the other person should say to this mesis, excuse me, the he should say to him, how can we abandon and leave our God in heaven and go and serve wood and stones like you are suggesting? And indeed, if the Mises retracts and he says, you're right, that's good, and he would not be taken to Bastin. But if he said, no, that's our obligation and it's good for us to abandon our God in heaven and to serve the idolatry, so now he would already be deserving of the punishment of the, of the death penalty. It's true that he doesn't realize that there's two people there, but it's very clear that he is totally committed to this Avedazara and to convincing other people to do it, and therefore he would be liable to the death penalty. And at this stage, those who are standing behind the fence should bring him to Bastin, and they would ultimately stone him and give the death penalty of Skila, if indeed they do manage to give him the verdict of being guilty. The mission ends off with lots of examples, again, of ways that a Mesis would convince other people to serve Avedazara. Everyone who says, I will go and serve Avedazara, and this is referring to serving it in the regular way that that particular Avedazara is served, and he has the idol with him, and he says that I'll serve this idol. Or, if the idol is not with him, but he says, I will go and serve Avedazara. Even though in these two cases he's talking only about himself, this alone is viewed as being a way of convincing the other person to join him. Or if he says, we should go and serve, then certainly that would come under the category of being a mesis. Or if he says that I'll do any of the following things, which even if for that particular idol it might not be a regular way of serving that idol, these are things which were done in the Beis Hamikdash for the sake of Hashem. So they also come under the full strict prohibition of Avodazara to do any of these things for the idol, even if it's not a regular thing for that particular idol. As a beach, I will slaughter an animal for a sacrifice for the Avodazara. Eilich as a I will go to it. It's not with him right now, but he says I'll go to the idol and slaughter something for it. Neilich on We should go and slaughter something for it. Akter, I will offer a sacrifice of spices. And he's speaking when the idol is in front of him. Eilich Akter, I will go to where it is and offer this sacrifice of spices. Neilich Akter, we should go and offer the sacrifice. And Nasich, if he says that I will pour wine for the Avedazara, or Eilich Nasich, I will go to the Avedazara in a different place and pour wine for it. Neilich Nasich, we should go and do that. Eshtachva will bow down. Eilich Eshtachva will go to the other place where it is. Eshtachva and bow down to it. Neilich there. We should go and bow down to it. All of these things would come under the category of a mesis. And the Mishnah says at the end now, Hamadiach. 
the Madiach, who is the other person mentioned in the list of the 18 Averis for which one gets Skila, this refers, Zeho this is, refers to somebody who says, we should go and serve a Zorah in the plural, and the Madiach is somebody who does this to the majority of a city, not only to a small group of people, but if he convinces the majority of a city to serve a Zorah, that city is known as an Erhanidachas, the same word as a Madiach, and this person would be liable to the punishment of Skila. Mishud Aleph, another one of the Avegos which hasn't yet been discussed, which is on the list, is Hamachashef, one who is a witch. He practices magic. One who does, does a real act of magic and sorcery, he is liable to Skila. But not somebody who does a fake sorcery and he does illusions, but it's not real sorcery. Although that is forbidden, it is nevertheless not uh, something which would make him liable to skila. And Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, in the name of Rabbi Yeshua, presents this with an example. You could have two people who are gathering cucumbers in a field in a way that looks magical, that they are using sorcery. But Echad Loket Potter, one of them would be gathering the cucumbers in this magical way and be exempt. The Echad Loket Chayev, and one would be doing it, he would be gathering the cucumbers and be liable for doing so. What's the difference? So Isa Maisa, one who's doing a real act of sorcery in order to collect and harvest the cucumbers, Chayev, he would be liable to Skila. But one who's only doing fake sorcery and making illusions, which might look to other people like sorcery, Potter, he would be exempt because the punishment of Skila is only for somebody who practices real sorcery.